What's happening in the canine industry? For all the latest news, views and expert opinions, stay right here for the canine paradigm. You'll hear from industry leaders, experts, doyens of the industry, learned colleagues, movers and shakers, and the odd Randy guest. Get the latest insights and expert advice from both here and abroad from the people in the know. Now, here are your hosts, Glenn Cook and Pat Stewart. And I'm Lofty Fulton, and I'm out of here. Hey, Glenn. Mm. I reckon we have a bit of a showdown, me and you. Really? Yeah. Okay. Really find out who's a better trainer. Ooh, now you've fucking thrown the cat amongst the pigeons, haven't you? Yeah. I reckon we get puppies, Mm. brothers or something like that. And have a bit of a competition, see who can raise it the best. Okay. So now that you've thrown the gauntlet out there, where are you thinking that we're going to get these magnificent specimens from? I want to get duchies or shepherds. Yep. So if we're going to get them, the only place in the world that anybody should be looking to get Mm. a German shepherd or a Dutch shepherd from is House Hamburg shepherds in Germany. Oh, good call. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I like this. All right. So now that we've got the dogs, what's the next part of the evolution? Well, the good news is Mm -hmm. they- they can send those shepherds anywhere in the world. Yep. So what about we get one sent here to Australia? Right. You'll train that one. Okay. And I'll get one sent to myself in North America. Mm-hmm. But we're going to need training equipment to train those dogs. Right. So I guess that I have to go and talk to the bullfed. Yeah. So your gear, all your dog training needs, because mm-hmm. we'll start fresh. We'll get all new everything. Everything. All your dog training needs yep. will be met by Einswick Dog Quip. Oh, the buffet himself. Yeah. Okay. So I can get myself some mills, some great leads, some collars, all that training stuff. devices, treats, balls, whatever I need. Yeah. You'll be yep. able to get that from Ironswick because yep. you're going to be here in Australia. Well, that means that you have to go up north, further north yep. in, in North America yep. and go and see old mate, Mach Le Point. Yep. And get everything from Canine everything. Dynamics. Oh, Canine Dynamics. Yep. Yep. I'll get the leashes I need, the tugs I need, everything. I think I can even get bite suits. Everything. Yeah. I can get that from Canon Dynamics. Yep. From in North America. Mm-hmm. There is one part of this that is somewhat unfair. Well, you get to hang out with Melanie Benware. Yeah. So I'm actually going to get my dog. Tra- I'm not going to do any of the training. Yep. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to get a play and train mm-hmm. done where Mel's actually just going to come to my house because I'm going to take that dog to Richmond, Virginia. Yep. Ashland, Virginia Ashland. as well. Ashland, Ashland Virginia. Virginia. Yep. So everything both there is. Yeah. I can be either one of those mm. and I'm just going to go do something else nine to five and she'll come into my home, train that dog. Well, you're sipping- Cafe lattes. Just gallivanting all over. Gallivanting. Welcome back to the Canine Paradigm. I'm your host, Pat Stewart. I'm joined in studio today by my co host, Glenn Cook, and joining us on the Zoom all the way from New York is none other than the YOLO pup, Jillian Wilson. How are you? Doing well. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's an honor. Oh, it's a pleasure for us to have you on the show and thank you for what you've been doing in the community. Thank you for that. Hey, let's get into it because Mm. you have sort of just arrived in the dog world a little while ago on Instagram and have a pretty huge following kind of quite quickly there. And your brand there is Yolo Pup. You've got a young Mally that you've been raising. What's her name again? Rika. Rika. And how old is she? A year and four months. Cool. 
like I was looking through your account a long time ago and it was kind of her for a long time. And now it's kind of become more of a, a show like what we do. Like it's a, you're exposing the dog industry and disseminating information, pointing people towards trainers from all different areas. How did that come to be? Tell us about like, why did you get that dog and why did you start that account? So the birth of Yellow Pub, it started from a place of honestly, of not working. I had a marketing agency in Los Angeles serving Beverly Hills doctors. And when the lockdown hit, I lost clients and I wasn't working. And that was really, really hard for me. Aside from losing clients, just like the day to day not working, I don't do well, like not having purpose, not working towards a goal like that. I really, really struggled with that. And um, my ex-boyfriend and I like had been wanting a dog for a long time. And he was dead set on a Belgian Malinois. I was concerned about a Belgian Malinois because of the commitment, because of what goes into having this high drive dog. But with lockdown, it was like, okay, if we're going to get this dog, we're going to do it now. And he's working from home, I'm home. And like, what better time? So we got Rika and <laughs> there we go. Training begins. So uh -huh. from the beginning, we got a trainer and we knew that, that would be part of it. We didn't go into it blindly. We did our research before, but you don't know how much work it is until you're actually doing it. Uh -huh. And then the nature of my work is media is marketing. So when I started the account, and naturally, like I, I wanted it to be like funny and like millennial esque and uh, how I help clients in my business is creating social media brand, creating a voice, creating a community, like building a following. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of natural that that is how YOLO Pup came to be. And like why we have a following is because of creating content, being consistent with the voice, being consistent with the content and like actually knowing what kind of content we want to create. Like with Rika, it has been the journey of having a Belgian Malinois, like as a pet, the amount of time that goes into training her, the amount of time that goes into like just keeping her physically and mentally stimulated. For me, like my journey in quarantine, <laughs> like I've had quite a few changes. And the thing that's been consistent is Yolo Pup. So that makes it so much more than an Instagram account. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sure. I'm with you. I think it was nice for everybody to sort of watch you raise this little puppy and share the step-by-steps of just being a pet owner instead of being a trainer and exposing that sort of journey that the foundations of having a pup, starting her off and learning from people on Instagram and around the world that you were sort of looking to for help and advice and then trying to implement that into your own dog's training and then, you know, talking about what was working and what wasn't working so well for you and the dog. I think people kind of find that refreshing because it's different from the normal. Like, as I said to Pat the other day, we were doing another episode or we might've been talking in the kitchen. People talk to me about healing or something all the time, but I watch dogs healing all the time. And even though I love it and I think that people are very artistic and I really appreciate the work and I know how much effort they put into it. For 30 years, I've been watching people and their dogs doing healing routines. And it's nice to see different things on social media these days. I was watching something in bed this morning before I got up of Pat doing some healing with Remy where- um, Always you know, watching me in bed, Glenn. Yes. 
<laughs> so, yeah, but he was teaching Remy to look at a ball while he was healing and he turned around and Remy kept focus on the ball. So those things I kind of enjoy more when I'm watching them because it's just different. It's different from the status quo. And I think that's one of the things I've enjoyed about watching your channel is, you know, there's a few influencers out there who are doing nice stuff with sharing that. But that was what I liked is that you're sharing this journey of a little puppy who's now grown into more of an adult dog and you're still talking about what she's learning and what you're learning and what you're learning together from this routine. Well, thank you for that. With the lives, it's kind of twofold. One, it was a great way to like help follow. So many people have messaged me and there has been an, I mean, that's just Instagram in general, social media. There's no red tape when it comes to communicating. So like people will talk about their problems. I was going through the same thing. And rather than like keep the conversation private, like with the trainer, like dealing with Rika's biting or dealing with Rika's whining or the prong collars, why not bring it to light, bring it on a the platform and talk about it so that other people can listen in and learn and get help with their dogs because so many people got dogs during quarantine the same time that I got Rika. So it was a help for the average person getting a new dog too. Hey, let's take a step back. I want to talk about the process of getting her because Mm. one of the things that we hear a lot in the dog space is People shouldn't be getting Mallies as a pet. People shouldn't be getting Mallies as a first dog and all this blah, blah, blah. And I'm really outspoken in the opposite. I think like everybody should be forced to have one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you obviously haven't seen the dog training is my passion meme, the latest. Yeah, I've seen it. Oh, that that is. Is great. I like everybody should have to have a mallet. But what is important, I think, is that we shouldn't dumb down the bloodlines. Like we shouldn't be breeding pet Mallies, like dogs at a Labrador in a Mallee costume. That's mm. what I don't want. That's my concern over people wanting them as pets. But I think that if you want a fucking active dog and you want to do cool stuff with it, like who are we to stop you? And I, I think a lot of dog trainers forget everybody had their first fucking Malinois, right? And everybody who's had, like I've had a lot, but I've had a first one and I was over, like, I was like, oh my God, I'm in over my head. And here we are, however many years later, I'm traveling the world teaching people how to fucking train them. So like everybody starts somewhere. Tell us about why did you want that? I know you said it was your ex-boyfriend that said it, wanted it, but like, why did you consent to that? Because there are a lot of dog. Where did you get it from? And I know that the trainer that you linked up with, was it first Oscar that you started with? And It was actually Landy. Okay. Landy Angeli, dog behaviorist trainer. But we also, we had another dog trainer who is like kind of like a well-known, like in my ex found this trainer. He's kind of like Instagram famous. I don't even follow this guy, but um, he does board and trains. And we actually had him come to the house and train. But his style was very, very like aggressive okay. for our taste. Right. So that's when we I found Landy, um, who was a referral that really changed the way that we approached training and really helped me in like how I interact with Rika. I could definitely see the difference in in the two. One more militant and like pretty aggressive and Lendy a little bit more well-rounded, more patient. I feel like it would be more in line with like how you guys work with your dogs and how an Oscar, I mean, having um, like met with Oscar and worked with Rika with Oscar. Yeah, just more to my taste. But anyway, back to the original question. Yeah, so why Rika? A lot of dog. I'm active. I hike all the time. I work out. I'm, I also work from home. So like before Rika, it's like waking up in the morning for a seven o'clock 
CrossFit class. Some people might get the dog thinking like that dog is going to like change their lifestyle. Like, oh, I want to become active. Let me get a dog to become active. It's like, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like if you're an active person, like you create time in your day. I knew that like Rika would be that. I mean, I think like for a first time Malinois owner or the reason why I'm kind of like eh, about this question is like, I have gotten so much shit about like, why do you have a Malinois? Like, you're not a dog trainer. You're just an average person. Like, why? And it's like, because I want this dog Mm -hmm. and like, it's a free country and you can get the dog that you want. It's up to you now that's your responsibility. And the only person that may lose in this situation is you because you're going to have to put in the time. You're going to have to put in the money for a trainer. You're going to just have to sacrifice if the dog destroys your home. Well, that's your home. It's not hurting anybody else. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I've struck a nerve. I feel like I've struck a nerve, but I think that's the thing. I you know, there are a lot of bossy people that are trying to tell people what kind of dogs they can and can't get. And it's like, if you are prepared to put in the time, effort, energy, and give the dog what it needs, then you get whatever fucking dog you want. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Did I answer the question? <laughs> I think so. Hey, Jillian, let's go back a little further in time. I was having a look through your social media profile over the last couple of days, and I noticed that you used, well, you said in your profile that you used to be a news reporter. Tell us about that. Yeah, I used to be a news reporter. Uh, I studied journalism in college, and my first job out of school was news reporter in Illinois. And I did that for about two years. And it was an amazing experience, boot camp for sure. And yeah, it was quite a journey. I'm actually going to pursue news again here in New York City. Yeah, right. Yeah. So what, like Anchorman sort of news or were you out on the field or what? What were you doing? Were you behind the desk? Tell us about it. I was a one-woman band. I was going into the studio, listening to the police scanners. I created relationships within the community and I would pitch stories, go out, put the story together, shoot, edit, go back to the station, draft up the piece and then go on air and report. And I was a one woman band, so it did it all. So that definitely helped me in terms of like creating content in general and creating content that's meaningful, that's educational, that's with purpose. And so you said that the Instagram account that you started, the Yolo Pup, that started out as kind of documenting a journey and has really turned into kind of a bit of a hub of information rather than just it being about you and your dog. You now have a lot of different trainers on. Me and Glenn have both been on there. You know, I just saw that you just had Ivan and you've had Larry Crone. Larry's been there. All the names around have been on the show and talked about their method of dog training and, and how they got into it. What prompted you to do that? When did you do the first live and why was there a transition necessarily from this is that my journey with the dog to now here we are doing interviews with other trainers? The first live was with Landy and it was about Malinois biting. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we did that live, why we did it on Instagram was because I was getting so many messages about people having the problem of their dogs going crazy. Their dog is biting what to do. And I was online. And if you search stop dog biting, you don't really find much. Like there's, there's nothing really on dog biting. 
and and how to stop it naturally. I mean, I think we all kind of know why, because of like the, a lot of old school methods, yada, yada, yada. And so I thought it would be a great opportunity to have Landy on who taught me how to manage Rikers biting and share that experience. And so we had Landy on and it was great. I actually even like showed on the live, like how I would roll Riker to the side to stop her biting, to calm her down. So that was a big deal because you don't really find that online. You don't really see somebody doing that live Mm -hmm. and that technique worked. So I thought that would be helpful for people rather than like have a crazy freak out in the home. Like this is actually what we're doing. Yes. Work with the trainer, but like, this is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So that was the first one. And that was a successful one. I mean, a a lot of people were very grateful for that information. And for me, having a Malinois and and showing the journey, obviously people see videos of Ryko or any Malinois like doing cool tricks and they're fascinated by it. I felt like because I am now growing an audience, I kind of have my like civic duty is to like protect myself and protect this brand and protect the breed. Really. If we're going to have this Instagram page, that's attracting attention. Naturally people are going to want a Malinois, but I really don't want to create a problem to -hmm. create a problem of people getting Malinois. So how can we kind of remedy the situation? Well, let me create a hub of where people can find information. So on yolopup.com, there is, we have the blog and there's a resource for people who have a Malinois or who have, have any type of dog to find a trainer. And I have trainers listed in every single state. I really did my due diligence to get all of those credible trainers. And, and I got that list from people with dogs who have trained with those trainers so it isn't just like this hype page of cool dog tricks. Mm-hmm. So it, it is actually a way for people to get information, to link with the trainer. Also for th- those trainers to get some publicity and to get some FaceTime on the live, but also just have their name like on a web page that has all these other trainers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool. I think that one of the really cool things about the way that you've put the page forward and, and the way you have people on and you talk about the own, your own issues with Riker is the way that you're not romanticizing the idea of having the Mali, like you show it warts and all, like this is, this is the headache that it can potentially provide. This is the awesome dog they can potentially be. This is the level of training and commitment it's going to take to live with and care for and fulfill this dog. Although it, it certainly is appealing to people, they can look at it and go, wow, that looks like a, the kind of dog that I want. There's also the rest of the information of this is what you have to go through to turn that dog into the kind of dog that you want. I think sometimes certainly people like me can be guilty of just like, here's all the fully trained dog. Like, here's my dog doing a bunch of cool stuff. And there's not a lot of like, here's the six hours a day that he actually steals from me. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. I think that term that you just used before, you're romancing the end result And a lot of people are really guilty of that. And I watch that and probably more so critically these days than I ever used to, because I kind of think you're selling the wrong ideology behind what this dog is all about. Like exactly what Pat spoke about before, like you're showing the awesome stuff that the dog is now capable of. You're not showing the suffering that you actually had to go through and the obsession and the commitment that all led up to that. There's a lot of very false information that's out there in the community right now because it really does portray, you know, this is the wonderful side of owning this dog, but it's still five-minute clips. 
but it doesn't show this is the hard work that goes around it and this is the manic side of the dog that won't settle down or is a pain to live with or is shredding my house or my partner can't control the dog and I can't walk the dog properly down the street when there's other animals around and you know it's a very very limited lifestyle but here is the diamond that you're going to see for five minutes that's nice and I think the whole community appreciates watching those videos and you could expand that into everything else you could expand that into skateboarding where you see somebody doing cool tricks where they're you know mulling down I think that's the word for it that's the cool kid lingo I don't know where, where you, or where you're um, sliding down handrails and doing these cool flips and tricks and everything like that but they don't show you falling off and breaking your arm and you know like healing for six months and so forth and then back at it again every athlete around the world could say that same sort of thing you know like when they're watching them on the olympics or the commonwealth games or you know like state games and so forth like that where they're just being awesome in that very five minutes they don't show the strict diet the mega training sessions they have to have the very early in bed at six o'clock and up at five o'clock and you know like the rigorous training proceeds so you could go on and on and on and layer that into everything however there is so much more of a responsibility in dog ownership and especially in working breeds like the dogs that we love to play with and i think pat and i have extended that caveat amongst or on the show amongst the community that yes these dogs are cool and yes you can do some amazing stuff with them and yes you can blow up your instagram account but you got to realize there's a lot of off-air time that you also have to occupy in creating that dog and getting the diet right and the vet visits and everything else that goes with it so it is nice to see beyond the scope of the show what happens beyond the veil? You know, like what does the average person have to do? Like I said before, I think that's a nice thing about watching your little journey with Riker and and the things that you've done is that you've got to talk about here is my little puppy and here are some of the struggles that I've had and this is the advice I've had and some of the things have worked and some have not worked at all and some of the trainers have been great and some of them have not really fitted into my lifestyle. I guess if you read into a lot of forums and a lot of talking that people do online, you kind of share that story amongst the community quite a lot. Like people are saying, I've just stumbled around in the darkness until I found somebody who actually illuminated my world and the potential that it could bring into dog training. Because up until right now, this has been an absolute shit show for me. Like this dog is ripping my clothes. My partner is pissed off at me or my parents are pissed off at me because it's destroying the house. I'm coming in, there's furniture chewed up and there's angry households and angry partners or angry community because I can't seem to get a control leverage on this dog. And then finally you do, like you meet somebody or you meet a community that actually shows you there is potential and there is hope. It's just that you are looking in the wrong direction. Going back just a little bit further, even when you were talking before about there not being information for certain techniques that you were learning with Riker, there is a lot of information on the internet. The problem is a lot of it is wrong for the type of breed that a lot of people have. You know, so you've got to filter through a dragnet of information that's not really relevant because it's so constructed for little white fluffies. It's not constructed for German Shepherds and Malinois and Rottweilers and dogs that are giving people a bit of kickback in the home. So when they're looking at that and, you know, like these people are saying, it's really easy, you just do this. And, you know, it's so simple. You just apply these easy three-step techniques and, hey, presto, bippity-bop, all your problems just fly out the window. And then you're thinking, well, I must be a complete dumbass because none of this shit's working for me. 
Do you know what my favorite bad advice on puppies biting stuff is? Mm. <laughs> I won't say who it is, but it's all we've had on the show, yep. who I respect a lot, but it's fucking terrible advice that he gives out, mm. is the act like it hurt and squeal and pull back in pain. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. But uh, when you first started dogs, you go, oh, that, that should make sense. And with certain dogs... You get your little Labrador who is a little sweetheart and you act like it hurt and he goes, oh, no, I'm sorry I hurt you. You pull that shit on a Mally. And they and go, you oh, are my gonna, God, that was so cool. You are going to kick it into drive <laughs> so hard that it will chase you around the house. That There yeah. is probably nothing more reinforcing to a Mally, a little Mally puppy that tries to bite you, mm. is to act like it hurt and squeal. <laughs> that. That's... That's exactly what he wanted to do exactly. to you. He wanted to hurt you, and he likes it when you squeal. You, you see the pupils go <laughs> boom like that, and they just dilate immediately. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, man. Mm. Hey. <laughs> <I'm> still- <laughs> I've got a video of this little, it was when we were doing the video series with Valerie and we had Ghost who was, I think he was 10 days older than Valerie. And so we had when we were setting up to film a lot of the puppy stuff, we did it most of it with ghost prior just to sort of have a little bit of a rehearsal. And there's his part in it. And so ghost is now a police dog. He was a Dutch shepherd and nobody kills ghost, but ghost. Yeah. Like a legit killer. But you know, so I've got this video of him, little seven week old puppy. I still have this video. I have to find it. And I'm like luring him into a sit. And this is what I'm going to show people to do with their pet dog, right? And with a normal pet dog, this is fine. And he kind of is getting real pushy for the food and he's trying to get it without following the lure. So I just took my hand away. I was like, you know, like, I'm not going to let you just attack my hand. I just pulled it away and was like, and he was on a little table. I'll just kind of negatively punish that behavior by taking away the food that you're trying to get. That fucker turned and bit me all the way up the arm. Just as soon as I pulled the food away, just bit me straight in the arm, like with intent to hurt me mm. and just chomped all the way up and then bit me on the chest. And it's seven weeks old. Right? <laughs> I kind of laughed and was like, oh God, like I can't have that happening on camera. <laughs> <laughs> but different type of dog altogether, right? Mm. Like my advice, if you end up with a dog like him, you're not following my puppy series on how to raise a pup. You need somebody who really can help you out with that, which we explained in the series. But I think that, you know, the reason I tell the story is it speaks to the difference in different dogs and different ways that training may need to happen and the different experiences that you'll have with dogs that are programmed to do different things. The one size fit all technique, it just is out the window. And you see that when you you take food away from a little Springer Spaniel and she sits there and is like, oh, what's the job to bring it back? You take the food away from the little Dutchie who was growing up to be a killer and he attacks you because he's like, hey, you don't take the things that I want. Mm. Right. <sighs> Sorry, Gillian, I know we've got you on the show. <laughs> to tell <laughs> but, stories. But talking about social media and all the adventures you have on it, I was out the back the other day and my two shepherds, Randy and Macho, were having a great time in the sun and it looked really pretty and I got my phone out and I just started to film it and they were sort of playing with each other and rolling around on the ground. And then Macho saw me there with my camera and he ran over and went to jump up on me and he hit me straight in the face. And as I'm filming this, I've got blood dripping out of my nose and my mouth. It felt like somebody uppercut me right in the face. As this happened, I actually accidentally flipped the camera around while I'm sitting there holding my face with blood like dripping out of my nose. I thought to myself, should I show this to people about the joys of owning a working line German Shepherd and just his excitement and drive like bouncing up into me? And I kind of thought, oh, 
it raises more questions than it ought to. So I thought, no, I'll ditch it and, mm. and not put it online. But they're the realities of sometimes owning these breeds. Like I had to go to the dentist one day with one of my old Rottweilers because she used to get so excited. She used to jump up into my arms all the time. And one day she mistimed it badly and hit me in the face and knocked loose two of my bottom teeth because she hit me that hard. It knocked me on my ass. But those sort of things are realities with some of these dogs sometimes. And it wasn't intentional. She didn't do it out of malice. It was pure love and pure drive that she just wanted to jump into my arms and celebrate life with me. But having these sort of dogs, it's like catching a cannonball sometimes. They're pretty extreme. So I gather that you've probably found very similar things with owning Riker and your experiences in life with her. Yeah. I mean, the video of you with blood gushing out of your nose, like that may have gone viral, (laughs) but you might need like a long follow-up as to why. That's why it wasn't worth it. I thought about it and I thought just to be a like farmer on Instagram, I don't really want to just post something like that. And then people see that and get the wrong idea. Like I thought long and hard about it and I thought, no, I'm actually going to ditch that. You're right. You know, like there's things that I'm happy to talk about it in a podcast where I can talk about the story and how it happened. But, you know, like, yeah, if you show a 30 second clip or however long it times out for with just a dog running at you and then bang, you know, and then the camera flips around and you're standing there holding your face and going like that while blood's gushing out of you, that doesn't really inspire confidence in people. Like they look at it and go, oh, my God. But I know it's a good talking point and it's reality and so forth, but I just thought uh, it's probably better I just don't put that up. And if the opportunity comes up like it has now, I can tell people it happened. It was a complete accident. He didn't mean it. It wasn't out of malice. He didn't bite me. It's just that he jumped up, and which I allow him to do, and his head connected with mine because I was slightly bent over at the time. So the joys of working line dogs. Glad you're okay, and uh, I hope this doesn't stop you from filming your dog (laughs) (laughs) in the future. (laughs) <laughs> hey, Julian, I do want to talk to you more about, you know, you're a social media expert, right? And I think mm. Instagram certainly is your forte. You've brought those skill sets from a marketing job and brought that into the dog space. And I, I do want to talk to you more about that. In fact, I want to try and prompt you to start some sort of course to educate dog trainers on that. But let me ask you another question. Tell us about with your dog, all the hype around the online and whatever aside, what has been the most challenging thing that you've faced about owning a young Mally, being a first-time Mally owner? And what's the most challenging thing and what has been the best thing about it? Okay. So the most challenging part of being a Mally owner, I would say, honestly, I mean, the first year was really difficult in terms of creating that structure and keeping and creating boundaries and keeping that exercise training just consistent on the day to day. And because there were so many challenges with my personal life, like having moved from LA where I was living, you know, with my ex and we were sharing the responsibilities to then moving to the East coast. And then it being just my responsibility, that was tough. I think just being the leader and like just commanding that respect from Rika was definitely the most challenging part because if I'm having a shitty day or like I'm feeling like, you know, <laughs> depressed about like my life situation, it's like, that doesn't matter. Shit, like we got to go outside. We got to get the exercise in. Like we need to train, you know, like I, I want to keep this structure going. So I think that was a challenge is like knowing that Rika needs this, right? That this breed requires this level of dedication in terms of physical exercise and mental stimulation. 
being consistent with that. Mm -hmm. And the most rewarding part, I think, is that, is putting in the time to physical exercise and putting it into training and to have a dog that responds to me that when I recall her, that she comes back, that we have such a special bond that that I can do so many things with, you know, she was just in New York city with me and that I can like go into public places and I don't have to worry about her barking at other people or like going over to other people. I mean, we have a really special bond and it's because we put in the time every single day to build that. It didn't just happen. I'm kind of thinking the impact it must've had on your life. You're over in LA, you're over there by yourself. COVID's happened your career started falling apart like it happened to a lot of other people and you've got this little puppy. I'm sure that many people around the world, it affected your mental health. Did having the puppy help you or hinder you during that time? Helped me yeah. so much. Tell yeah. us about that if that's not too deep to talk about. Yeah, I mean, it helped me so much. I mean, just getting outside and walking tall and like physically holding myself and having these small goals of like, okay, we're going to teach Rika how to walk on a leash and I'm going to do my loop and do it a few times in the day and, and just achieving those small goals. Like it sounds like such a small little thing, but at the time it meant a lot. And to see those results and every day get better and better, that was great for me. And to have my little companion, it filled my days and like filled myself when I needed that. Yeah. I've shared on the show a couple of times and it wasn't COVID related. It was just life related, but I had a bout with depression. It was around my mid thirties. My thirties was just horrible. I remember I just didn't want to get out of bed at all. I literally had no zest for life. I just wanted to sit literally just lie down in bed and just wait for night to come. So I had an excuse to be in bed. But I remember the one thing that inspired me to get out every morning is because I could hear the dog scratching on the door. And that kind of reminded me that they need to be taken care of. And it's not just about me. There are other needs because if it was just about me. I wouldn't have cared. I would have just melted away into the ether. But because I could hear the dog scratching on the door, I kind of thought, well, that started my day. I thought I have to get up. I have to go and feed the dogs. I have to go and train the dogs. I have to go and walk the dogs. And then I thought, well, I'm up now, so I might as well go to work and I might as well try and make the day productive. And I sometimes don't think that people around the world realize the improvement that their dogs actually give them, not just as something to love, but also goals to aim for, like things that help you realize that you can get through the day when you really felt like you couldn't. And I remember fondly, you know, like I used to think at the time, oh, these bloody dogs, pain in the ass, scratching on the door. But at the time, it was the best thing that happened for me. You know, it was the one thing that gave me the inspiration and the hope to actually fulfill the day rather than just making another day vanish. I'm very fond of telling people don't ever wish a day away because they just fly by so quickly. And each day is so abundant. Even a day that you don't really think much got done. It's just such a blessing to have a day, you know, and that's what I say to people. And I think that I'm looking at photos of my dogs on the wall now and the, the dogs that were scratching. I know you can't see them, but I've got photos of the dogs in the studio and they're the dogs that were scratching on my door. They're the ones that made me get out of bed. They're the ones that inspired me to do a little bit more and incrementally increase my daily routine. And I really, I can't thank them enough for getting me through an incredibly 
trying and difficult time. I mean, we talked about before we got on air about how we're going into lockdown again in Sydney and, you know, I can see people's mental health declining around me on a regular basis. My own staff are struggling with it. There are people who live week to week and day to day on on salaries, casual staff, part-time staff, full-time staff. And it's hard watching these people that you see on a regular basis. It's hard watching them go through these extreme roller coasters and then being having to say to them, I'm sorry, there's no work for you. We have to cut you back or we have to try and share the love around a little bit and rob Peter to pay Paul kind of thing. It's hard. It really is hard. Like life is is hard for people at this point in time. So this is where insert the dog into your life. I think this is where really people are so grateful that they've actually got something to give them fulfillment and to remind them that there are other things and other responsibilities and other love interests to look forward to when you get home or when you are home that you can say, okay, well, nothing much is going on career-wise. Let me dedicate some time to the dog. Like I go out in the backyard and try a few tricks with the dog or do something that I've just seen on Instagram. And and this is a nice thing about watching some of the things that Pat does. You know, like I saw somebody respond to his video and say, I'm trying to be as good as Operant Canine or something like that. And I thought, well, that's good because he's inspired one person who vocally said it, but probably hundreds of other people. And it's the same thing with yourself, Gillian. You know, like you've clearly inspired a legion of people around the world because I've read comments in your post before where you've talked about learning a little thing or you've shown clips from Riker being a baby into an adult and people are saying, you know, that's so cool. I can't wait to do these things with my dog or I'm really looking forward to seeing your life with this person and learning from them. So these sort of things really do inspire the community to raise the bar and to be better and to challenge things like our own mental health and the things that are sometimes holding us back where we really, we're spending too much time focusing on those points and we can focus forward or focus in a different direction. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that about you with the dog scratching. I mean, I think that's something that as someone who also like doesn't have children, like to have the dog, like that is very special. And I, I mean, I know many of the Yolo pup people, like they don't have kids, you know, their dogs are like their kids. I don't want to compare, but yeah, I think that it was huge for them. Definitely a, a soft spot for me, the mental health and the dogs. <laughs> hey, let's change gears a little bit. Let's talk about Instagram. So your marketing background, that's what you do for work. You said that you're working for doctors, you know, running their social media, that kind of stuff. Mm. And you took those skills and brought it into the dog training space. And it's been kind of fascinating for me. You know, I, I can't remember when I started following you. It was last year sometime. I was like, oh, what's this account? And what's going on here? And it kind of caught me by surprise. And it's continued to grow and you've got this really big following. And I wonder if you have advice for dog trainers, because I'll tell you a little bit about, you know, I, I remember one day you, you shared it. I was trying to share a YouTube video and on the stories on social media, I was like, I'm, I'm not kidding. I spent about two hours trying to figure out how to add that swipe up thing before I eventually figured out that you needed 10,000 followers to have that feature. Five, and I, was, I think it's 10. Is it five or 10? You'd know, wouldn't you? 10. Yeah. Ten. Yeah. So I was like, what the fuck? And it was doing my <laughs> head in. <laughs> and, was, and I don't like, I'm terrible at, at social media. I don't have any strategy. 
I don't have anything going on. I just post stuff, whatever I feel like posting. And at the moment, I've been posting a bunch of these reels. And the truth is, the reason I've been posting them is because I really enjoy making them. I look at the forums and stuff and people talk about how we talk a lot. We talk about a lot about dog training. And I used to show heaps of my own training. And then I just kind of stopped because I just was like, I've shown it all. Like there's all like there's you go back far enough in Facebook and all these places. There's hundreds of videos of me training my own dogs and other dogs. And like, what else am I going to show? But I've recently kind of fallen in love with making these reels because I enjoy the process of making them. I enjoy the the photography side of it more than the dog training part. And I was like, oh, look, here's a place for me to combine those two skills. But I have no strategy. And I didn't even know how many followers I had until you have to until I found out I didn't have enough for the swipe up feature. Like it just is not something that's of any concern to me. And I think what I see is a lot of professional trainers kind of do the same. And one of the things I have been guilty of this and boasted of it in the past. It's like, I have plenty of work. I don't, I'm not trying to get work off of social media, but I think what we forget sometimes as people who have good information to put out, if you have plenty of work and you do have good information is that filling the zeitgeist with that good information is important because there's people who are professionally just making content that is bad content and mm. they make fucking really watchable, very algorithm driven. They know how to make content that gets likes and views and can be monetized quickly. But as dog people, sometimes we see that and they're like, oh my God, this is bad. Right? Well, that goes back to what Jillian was talking about before, where she was looking for information and couldn't find it because exactly. it's flooded with that Yeah, because that the, material. the people who are making, you know, the really good dog trainers are busy training dogs mm. and they're not making that content they're, and they're busy. It's not necessarily as a marketing strategy that they would use social media. It's like if I, my work plate is full, I don't need to be promoting myself anywhere. Mm. But I feel like we kind of do so that the people who are not going to employ you as a trainer, but the people who are just going to, you know, find some information online and then impart it can either look at the guy who's beaten the dog into the ground or the guy who's telling total bullshit lies about how he's a total force free trainer and, you know, a real dog trainer. Yeah, there's plenty of you know people who claim to be big time force free trainers online. And I know some stuff about dogs, right? When I read a dog, I can... When a dog shows an aversion to something, that does not come about mm. <laughs> by any force-free trainer. So there's certain there's certain big names that I can look at and go, you're not a force-free trainer. You are not what you say you are. How as, dare you say? Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but so as people who do know what they're doing and are not trying to use social media as a marketing platform, do you have any advice for people as the best way to get their information out there and do that in a way that doesn't occupy their whole fucking day because they're busy doing their real job. I've spoken enough, Jillian, go. Well, content is king and consistency is queen. So if you're trying to build a following, really, really focus on at least one post a day. Like if you genuinely want to create content and build a following is just create one piece of content a day but make sure in that content that it's driving the platform and giving information that it's driving it forward. Like when you're posting post with purpose, it sounds so corny, but it's the truth. Like when I'm posting and I've scaled back a lot in my own posting, I always try to post with purpose and I'll add information in the caption, whether it's about a struggle or adding information about to help somebody with a certain problem or just with something funny. I try to make it keep consistent with the voice. Like for ours, I'll do it like Rika's voice a lot, which makes it different. But I definitely think when you're posting, really think about what you're posting and why you're posting it. Take time to write a good caption and like 
don't just post to post because that's garbage and you're just the internet is so saturated and like if you're just posting to post it won't feel like you're building anything Mm. and i think if you're a dog trainer doing it like that's your job like that's your career that's like your brand like really think about have this as an addition to your brand and i think once you have that mindset it will make the act of posting on social media mean more and it will naturally be better because of that Mm -hmm. it's funny you say that because like I said, I'm dog shit at social media. I don't really put a lot of time effort into it. But in our Patreon, there's a whole video called Training with Intention where I teach a skill to my dog and I explain to people like nothing in any one of these sessions, I think it's five or six sessions to teach a muzzle strike. Nothing in any of these sessions is by accident. The toy that I'm using, the way that I'm holding it, the duration of every reinforcement, the number of repetitions, like every single thing is with intention and with purpose. And that's why I was able to train this skill very, very quickly and have my dog, you know, very quickly understand what I was trying to convey to him and him find value in doing it. It's interesting because I was just thinking when you were just talking, I was like, oh, I don't do that at all with, with, <laughs> with anything else. I'll be like, hey, here's a photo of my dog standing on a rock. <laughs> because because he stood on a rock and I had a camera and then I had like five minutes as I was walking back to the car and I just hit send while I was doing it and and then I often say to people when they're training the dog like they'll do something I go why'd you do that and they're like I don't know I just did it that's me why did you post that I'll be like I have no idea I just did (laughs) but that's the thing you're not thinking like I'm genuinely trying to grow my Instagram page like you're training dogs like you're doing other things also let's not forget your youtube channel Mm. like that is something like i can see you're putting a lot of time into that and skill into that it's just a matter of like where you're directing your attention yeah well the youtube thing for me was i just set a challenge to myself of trying to monetize the youtube not to make money from i think i've made 98 dollars since i did it but which i still haven't withdrawn because it's got to get to 100 dollars before you can withdraw it (laughs) but for me it was just setting the challenge of hitting those goals of the thousand subscribers four thousand hours watch time like i I get a bit numbers obsessed actually maybe sort of unhealthily no (laughs) no (laughs) but more than anything it, it was kind of the same in that when i My YouTube feed is not, you know, they're they're so hyper um, uh, targeted that there's no dog training stuff in my YouTube feed because I'm not watching that kind of content. I was unaware of a lot of the, what I would say, bad advice and and a lot of the sort of things that are just urban myths in dog training that your clients will recite back to you. And you just think, oh, that's kind of passed through the social zeitgeist. Like that's how that information got to that person. And then I had clients send me a video of another trainer online, like just flat out just repeating with no evidence that they exist like these old wives tales about dog training and yeah, trying to say that that was true. And that was when it kind of struck me that I was like, hang on, there's a lot of really, really bad information out there and finding your space within that I think has been, I'm still definitely on a journey of doing that and finding why I would post things and what I want to get from it. And in on YouTube, it was that I wanted to just correct some of the information that I thought was bad information. And then it it kind of evolved a little bit because 
it takes a lot of effort to make a good YouTube video where you give the demos. Like the talking head stuff for me was really easy because I have all that content, but I didn't have any love for doing it, you know, like, cause I record all the zoom calls I do with people. I just record my end of it. So there's, I've got hundreds of hours. I've got terabytes of footage of me explaining dog training concepts, but it's just kind of boring, you know? And then if you're going to go out and film how to's and that kind of stuff. There's a lot of effort involved in doing that. And the people that will have to help you to do it and setting up cameras because a static camera and that kind of stuff doesn't really work. And then for me, it just became more narrative based. The how to stuff. I just think that although there's certainly place for it, I wasn't enjoying doing it very much. And so now I'm way more into the narrative based stuff. And so the longer form things I'm putting into YouTube, I've, I've stopped posting so often. I certainly do have intent, like to talk about what you're saying about posting on YouTube. I, I definitely do. That's where I have like, okay, there's something I want to explain here, or there's something I want to, there's a nudge that I want to give people or, you know, there's something to it that have a reason for every video I make. Whereas like for Instagram, same deal. I'm just like, Oh, I want to do this. Like, here's the thing they, they don't really have any purpose behind it. I think it's hard to find the level and there's so many social medias. And like I say, I think the big issue with a lot of dog trainers and it, I'm guilty of this for sure is I'm not trying to develop work from social media. Like, yeah, I've got an online course and I like driving people to that. That's helpful. But I feel like we need to do the best at showing, you know, setting an example and showing that good information is out there and whether you're giving it all away or just sort of prompting people towards it, either one is fine. So long as people are seeing that there's the extremes, the the ridiculous yank and crank and the bullshit force free, like they're the people that are promoting a lot of these because they can't really train any dogs. So their online presence is massive because you can edit yourself to look amazing in any version of that. And I feel like as the the real trainers, whether you're yeah, you know, whether you're a more plus R type trainer or a balanced trainer, whatever, it doesn't matter. As long as you're effectively training dogs, there's almost an obligation to be providing decent content of that because everybody's eyes are on social media and you've got to contribute to the information pool. I don't know. It's a tricky one for me. It's a really difficult space. I think about it quite a lot and I'm as bad a dopamine addict as anybody. And so I kind of limit my social media interactions quite a lot because I easily become obsessed with it, especially say TikTok. Like my legs went numb on the toilet one day where to the point where I couldn't even wipe my own ass. I couldn't get up. Like I was like, cause I was just sitting there watching TikTok videos and I was like, oh, this is unhealthy. This is unhealthy. <laughs> it is unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've done it, Glenn. Don't pretend you've never sat on the toilet too long to the point where your legs go numb and you can't even wipe your own ass. I don't even have any private toilet time. I've got Narell and the dogs running in to tell me something like every five minutes. It's terrible. Yeah, fair enough. I just posted it on the Canine Paradigm Forum the other day. Like I'm sitting on the toilet and I was looking at social media. Next thing I know, door flies open, dogs run in, Narell goes, oh, sorry, I didn't know you were on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Question, have you seen an increase in followers, engagement with your reels? Yeah. yeah. I, so that's in the videos. two weeks I've been doing it, I think I've gone up like 450 followers in that two weeks. Yeah, keep it up. Do you know what really gave us a boost in numbers and following in the Canine Paradigm Instagram was posting the memes? Yeah. I got like a few people saying, hey, you know, you shouldn't be posting these memes in here. You should be responsible and promoting things to do with the show and so forth. So I kind of put out a little survey just to say to people, are these memes helping your day? Like, are they bringing a smile to your face or do you think they're silly and childish and they shouldn't be done? And literally I had, <laughs> I had one person write in and said, whoever told you to stop 
posting those memes, tell that person to get fucked. <laughs> so, <laughs> it might have been a particular meme that struck a chord with someone or something like that. There's always going to be a meme yeah. that strikes a chord with somebody. And I try to not make them offensive or directed at anyone particular or anything like that, but they're mainly focused on the fun and the light side of owning a dog and, you know, the silly things that dogs and breeds do and so forth. So people have appreciated them. You know, they write back or you can see in the comments that it's relatable to some people because they'll be tagging people and going, oh, that's so me or something like that. But that's what it's all about is having fun, you know, and not losing sight of that whole perspective of social media and life should be about you know, like there is a market out there and there's a job that people need to do. But for God's sake, don't lose sight of having fun. Fun is so important. And the older I get, the more I realize finding things to laugh at or finding things to amuse myself, that makes my day a lot more enjoyable. And mm. that's what I try and help people have is just something to have a little giggle at, something silly. The memes are hilarious. Please keep it up, whatever you're doing with the memes. You do a great job. Thank you. I think it can be a bit yeah. of a cliche as well, but I feel like... The information that you put out there, like authenticity is probably key. Yes. You know, and I see some big accounts on on all kinds of platforms crumble when someone sees behind the curtain, you know, and like you can pretend to be someone for a long time. And that's why Clubhouse was interesting since, you know, we're talking social media. You are a social media expert, right? Clubhouse was interesting to people who never came into Clubhouse because it was like, no, motherfucker, this is on the spot. You don't have time to consult your team. You don't have time to like- Think 24 hours on it. Yeah, or Mm. steal someone else's content and regurgitate what they said. This is live. This is on the spot and we want to hear from you now. And it was interesting to see the people who were really like, oh, no, that's terrible. Like, that's terrible social media. That one needs to go away. It's like, oh, (laughs) like he thinks the lady does protest too much, right? So I think that it's such a cliche, but authenticity is key. And with the reels, you know, for me at the moment, it was just because I enjoy making them. And it, like I said, I'm more into the camera side of it. I'm more into the editing side of it. The things I'm doing with my dog are fucking stuff that you do that every day. It's no big deal. Like that's That's Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, No biggie. Right. Mm. But actually filming it and figuring out how to get the compression the way that I like it and all the bullshit that goes along with it. Like that's what I enjoy the process of. It's not really about the dog training component of it for me at the moment anyway. What's in the future for you, Jillian? When I was in college, I interned for ABC News, for Nightline and Good Morning America. So I'm going to reconnect with the network and um, hopefully work with them again. So that's a big deal because I've been in Los Angeles. I've been out of news for so long. I studied journalism. It's, It's all really the same in terms of like content creating and like telling stories because that's what news is mm-hmm. telling stories. So it's interesting hearing you say that Pat and I were chatting in the kitchen. I think it was last week and we were talking about, there's a couple of very well-known shock jocks around Sydney who constantly they're kind of on the border of bullying people sometimes like it's really heavy duty comments that they're talking about and targeting against certain people sometimes you kind of look at it and you go wow i just can't believe this person is saying this and allowed to get away with it and pat turned around and said something to me which i thought was very relevant he goes this person is on air for like three or four hours a day. They've got to come up with a story and they've got to get people interested in listening. And that's their job, you know, is to make it shocking and to make it a little bit ostentatious. So the world kind of turns around and goes, oh, this is a bit 
scandalous. I need to listen to this today. And I kind of thought, you're 100% right. Like, mm. that's exactly what they're doing. They're content creating. They're looking for a reason to to get people fired up. So that does make good news because really without misery and without a lot of things going wrong, why would people turn to the news anymore? Like this COVID outbreak, this lockdown is being great for the networks, great for the news channels. Like it's the best thing for them ever because constantly people are fixated on the news. What's the numbers going to be today? What's the government going to say about the latest lockdown? What's going on in this suburb and what's happening here? Like they never get more people tuning in than when things are going wrong. One thing, it was so interesting, like coming home and seeing my parents and how they react to the news. It was so alarming to me because they are so reactive to the news. Whereas I am, I have been very desensitized to it. Like mm. I know that the way that stories are told is meant to affect your limbic system and meant to get you riled up. And I had to explain to them, like, this is the point. And it changed the way that they, well, they say that it changed the way that they watch the news and also the way they digest stuff on Facebook, because on, even on Facebook, like they were getting heated about certain things and it's like, okay, relax you know, take a step back. <laughs> Remember that how this person is painting this post or telling the story is with purpose. They want you to get riled up with COVID, with Trump, with so many things in politics. I think knowing that there's that goal to get you to react, even if it's just like comment, to have, like start a conversation at your own home. Like that's, yeah. that is the goal. <laughs> Yeah, it can be pretty frustrating. Have you considered running training for dog trainers on social media use and how to do the sorts of things that we've been talking mm, about? I think that's a good idea. I mean, I've thought about it and I've actually had a few people talk to me about it. At the moment, I am just getting my footing in terms of like, you know, moving cross country and getting back to working full time. It hasn't been something that I'm like, yes, I want to, because I'm the type of person, like if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go all in. Mm -hmm. And right now, like if I were to open up an online like school or online course, I know that it would take up a lot of my time. Mm -hmm. I might be in Westchester for longer than I want to be and probably not pursue news right away because I would be in this building, this school. Mm -hmm. So not something that I want to do. Right That's now. a bummer because I was about to tell people, hey, everyone, if you want to learn more about social media, <laughs> get in touch with Jillian. So you may still get flooded by people. Sorry. I mean, who the hell knows? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, right now I have no, no plans to do that. So It's an interesting thing. You know, I guess a lot of my career was shaped by like there were certain things that I thought I'm going to move away from that, like kennel business management and, and operations and so forth. Like in the early days, I sort of got indoctrinated into learning how to run a kennel and so forth. And one of my interests was always and has still been to this day is training dogs. As I tried to run away from the kennel management, it kept pulling me into it. And I kept thinking to myself, why am I fighting this? Like, why am I resisting this? Because it seems to be something, you know, and without making this sound like hoodoo guru and spiritualism, it's something that the universe keeps pulling me into. Like, why am I resisting the gravity well? When I just let myself go and I went back into it, it kind of made sense to me to be here. And sometimes I think you need to be where you need to be and you need to stop resisting what life is telling you you need to be doing. 
I had all these aspirations for different career paths and doing different things, but teaching on the NDTF or teaching students and running the kennels and being involved in high tier management and so forth, that just kept grabbing me and saying, dude, this is what you're supposed to do. This is the position that you're supposed to be in. This is where you need to be. The minute I stopped fighting it, it was like all this relief came over me because I kind of thought this really is what I'm supposed to do. This is where I feel the most comfortable and I feel the least amount of resistance when I'm here. It's still hard. It's difficult and it challenges me and it pushes me and it pushes my buttons every day. But it also makes a lot of sense to me. And it's kind of funny that that's what a lot of people resist in their life. They keep resisting things that somehow they're meant to do these type of things. So I do get people ask me for advice on different things from training to operating kennels or building and design and so forth. And I said to people, is this what you want to do? You have to know the pros and cons to it and so forth. And they're going, I keep feel like this, I'm getting pulled in this direction. And then I've said to them, well, yeah, that's the right thing to do. So listen to me, don't listen to me. I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I got to start wrapping it up. I got to get out of here because we got to go be, have a baby. He's going to be a new daddy today. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Yep. So I've got to jump out of here because I got to get my wife to the hospital to go have a baby. It's not like she's in labor or anything. My other one was a C-section, so this one has to be too. So it's all happening this afternoon. So I better get out of here. Well, congratulations and and congratulations to your wife and your family. Thanks. And Thanks for having me on the day that you're going to have another child. (laughs) Thanks for doing it. Hey, I really appreciate you coming on. And I know you've shared some kind of personal stuff, but I really appreciate you taking the time Mm. to talk to us and doing what you do. I think that the way that you're providing sort of a hub of dog training information and the reason I think that it, one of the reasons aside from, you know what you're doing, but one of the reasons I think that you're very successful in it is because it's real. It's really you learning along the way. And I think that that authenticity appeals to me and to others. And so, you know, well done. Thank you for doing it. I think you're doing a great job. Keep it up. Bravo. Well said. Thank you so much. Tell us all your stuff, how people can get in contact with you and check you out if they want to give yourself the big plug and all that. All right. To follow, follow on Instagram at Yolo Pup X, on YouTube at Yolo Pup, TikTok Yolo Pup, YoloPup.com. That is the place to go. YoloPup.com. Yeah. <laughs> Before we wind up, how did you come up with the name Yolo Pup? Oh, well, Yolo, you know, you only live once. Yep. Pup. Well, really, honestly, before Yolo Pup, it was going to be Yolo Gal. I was working to create a line for women on skincare, a wellness brand, and everything that happened happened. <laughs> got a puppy. And it turned into your own pup. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So, That's it. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks again for doing it. Mm. All right. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. That's it for another episode of the Canine Paradigm. As always, if you like what you hear, please like, rate, share, subscribe. Just tell a friend in real life. Go old school. We know we've been talking about social media, but just actually say to someone, just grab a random stranger in the street and be Mm. like, hey, listen to this podcast. Like play it for them. Get your phone ready and your podcast app and just go, have you heard this? Like listen to this. This is amazing. Yeah, pull your earbud out Out of of your your ear and put it in their ear. Waxy, gross ear (laughs) and jam it in their ear. But you're wearing a mask. It's fine. It's totally fine. If you've got a mask on, you can't – you're totally fine. Even if someone's in the toilet, just burst in there yeah, and burst start in playing there and be the like, podcast. listen to this. Yeah, it's amazing. You know what would be cool? Instead of just sharing on social media, you know the people who like share conspiracy theories on social media and all that kind of stuff mm. get these big followings. 
Go old school and make a fucking sandwich board and stand on the corner Ring of the a bell. street Ring a bell. with a bell yes. screaming about <laughs> the canine paradigm. We've got these huge stickers that you got here, Glenn, oh, that I'm looking at, these ones. giant stickers we've got on the table. Yep. If someone is prepared to put that on a sandwich board and stand in a busy intersection ringing a bell telling people to listen to the canine paradigm... Let us know because we will absolutely send you one of Hey, these. you said the fanny packs wouldn't work and Dylan Anderson <laughs> went total nude and put one over his, over thank his God, groin. Thank God he was wearing the fanny pack. <laughs> Oh, we'd have seen everything. Although I have a feeling he was, he had to tuck. I wonder if he was on the grass. Yeah. <laughs> There's an inside joke if ever there was one. Yeah. All right. So yeah, like wear a sandwich board, tell a friend. Yeah. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is jump into Patreon. We've got so much. So much in there. So guys. much. And I'm going live in there all the time now. We just did one the other day on a Sunday morning and there was lots of people on the live. There's usually only like, you know, 10 people that are actually there live, but people watch later. But on Sunday morning, seems to be that's the time to do it. So maybe I'll do that again. If you want to get in contact, oh no, get some merch, get some Teespring, Mm. wear Mm. that Mm. when you ring your sandwich board. Yep. And if you want to get in contact with us, jump into the Facebook discussion group, follow Glenn, the Canine Paradigm on Instagram to check out his spicy memes. You can follow his personal page, Glenn Cook Trainer. Mm -hmm. Is that you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm offering canine. I make reels now. That's my thing. <laughs> I just show a little French bulldog head butting a cat every day. Yep. <laughs> or you can shoot us an email. We are info at the canineparadigm.com. That's it. Goodbye. He makes everybody listen to that.